0: Email communication has been absolutely the type of content that people need, that people are hungry for, and that's where I really leaned in. Welcome to
1: the Self Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, And every week, I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. As humans, we are natural communicators. But the question is, are we effective? For most of us, the answer is probably not. That's where Jenna Rogers comes into play. Jenna is the founder of Career Civility, where she helps people communicate more effectively in the workplace. As someone who is balancing entrepreneurship and a corporate job, she is not only talking the talk, but truly walking the walk, bringing her clients all of the most effective communication strategies that she uses in her corporate life every day. Tune in to hear how her diverse background has helped her understand different communication practices, how she has leveraged Instagram Reels to grow her business, and how she is bringing humanity back into the workplace. If you've ever needed to fine-tune your communication tactics, then this episode is for you. Jenna, I'm so excited to have you on today's podcast. You are someone that is both a human as well as a dog mom, a wife, a leader in tech sales, and a woman that's on a mission to define communication in the workplace. You have done all of this while also founding Career Civility. So what is Career Civility?
0: Yes, you list all that, and I'm like, oh, man what's my resume? (laughs) Do I need to go back and edit it? But I do have my assistant uh, sitting next to me and she is there for everything that I do. Corporate, her name is Zona because I'm originally from Arizona. So it's an ode to where I'm from now that I reside here in Chicago. She's here corporate, but then also through Career Civility, And Career Civility is the communications consulting business that I started technically back in 2019, but I filed my LLC 2020. So I became a Official in May of 2020, and the whole goal of career civility is to help people communicate more effectively
1: in the workplace. That's amazing, and you mentioned your paw assistant. That's a new term for me, and I have to say, I have my own paw assistant here, Kona. She's sitting right <laughs> underneath my feet. So if we hear any little chirps throughout it, that's I who love it. <laughs> Kona and Zona. That's great. Yes, they really yeah. <laughs> Yes, wonderful. Now I know you said you started this in 2019 and you also alluded to the fact that you are leveraging both the corporate world as well as entrepreneurship here. And I believe you also used another fun term, a corpreneur for yourself. So what is it that you do in your corporate life?
0: Yes. I don't know if like corporate is a word or if I just came up with it one day, but I do define myself as a corporate newer because I work in corporate. I'm an entrepreneur and I really wholeheartedly believe that like what I do in corporate influences the work that I do in my consulting business and then vice versa. They really do enrich each other. And through my corporate work, I'm in tech. I work for a small startup here in Chicago, um, but then I'm also in sales. I've actually been in sales my entire career. I'm at a point in my career where I'm kind of straddling the like individual contributor sales role, but then also the like leadership role where you're building processes. I'm now working with like marketing teams, product marketing. Again, when you work at a small startup, you kind of do everything. So this has been a nice transition from individual contributor sales role to more of that leadership, higher level viewpoint of business.
1: Absolutely. And I think being able to go from an individual contributor to a leadership position has only probably, if I could assume, really helped you in your entrepreneurial journey as well, because there are really two different skill sets that you're now able to bring to the table. Being able to source the business as an individual contributor, but also how to really manage a team effectively, use your time, things like that, that really you don't have to think about when you're an individual contributor.
0: Yes. And what's really unique about this role is I don't have direct reports. However, it's very similar. Like when you're in sales, when you're managing a book of business, you're managing so many different stakeholders at any given time. So Not only are you managing the marketing stakeholder, you're also managing your client as a stakeholder. And then you're having to manage up a lot of times, right, in terms of like your executive stakeholders and making sure that you're able to get buy-in and move the needle from them. And that's where my work and career civility in terms of like communication, interpersonal communication, using networks, that is what influences how I'm able to be successful in the corporate space.
1: Absolutely. And I know that you have this really great gig right now at the startup. But in the past, you had talked about and just I'm quoting you from your website here, having to work 10 times harder than the person next to you to prove that you can be successful. So what was kind of going on in the corporate world that really caused you to have these, these thoughts?
0: Um, unfortunately, I think it's still active and very present. I think it always will be no matter where I'm at. There is this, I don't want to call it invisible, but there is this inertia against people who either don't look or act the norm or even challenge the norm. I happen to be both. (laughs) So I am a biracial woman in corporate, And I also use my voice to try and not ruffle feathers, but kind of call it like I see it, which is not something that business is familiar with. So when I say that I've had to work 10 times harder than the person next to me, it's because institutions were not set up for people like me to be successful. I know that a lot of women can relate. I know that a lot of people of color can relate, underrepresented groups, and those who identify as mothers or as caregivers. The workplace also isn't set up for them either. So by default, you have to work 10 times harder than the person next to you just to be at an even level playing field. Value is not given to you. You have to earn it, which means that you're just always in overdrive and working Harder than those next to you.
1: I can completely relate to what you're saying right now. I think, especially being a female, our male counterparts, if they do speak up, they are typically looked at as driven and ambitious. But then a woman, if they speak up, then they're pushy and controlling. I hate playing the men versus women game, but that's still the reality that we're facing in today's environment. And I've actually been told that I was emotional because I was having conversations and pushing back when there was no tears. It was just simply me stating my opinion and backing it with facts. So I get what you're saying. Yep. I
0: have been called abrasive, you know, like these stick in our minds. And that unfortunately becomes part of our identity because it does stick with us so much. And then we're also having to then overcorrect and make sure that like, I don't want to be seen as emotional. or I don't want to be seen as abrasive. And again, we're having to work harder than the person next to us because they don't have to think about that.
1: Right, but I think it goes to what you do now with communication is that you've really had to think about in a strategic way, how are you going to properly communicate this so you aren't viewed that way? So you aren't seen as abrasive, you aren't seen as emotional. So I guess, how did this issue that you've been facing within the workforce cause you to then think about, you know what, there's this huge, larger need to be able to create career civility? So this actually started, a long time ago and I never
0: had the words to describe it until I was in undergrad. So growing up, I always say that I'm a product of a bi-political, bi-racial household. So I grew up learning how people can communicate or not communicate amongst their differences. So I really grew up in a total like observation mode And then I started to learn how to use my voice just based on observing two different sides of the spectrum, communicating. When I went to college, I ended up studying communication. My dad had studied it, so I studied it. He was an entrepreneur, I wanna be an entrepreneur. So I was like, here's the path. And then civil communication was introduced to me as a discipline. Civil communication in my undergrad study was more so geared around civil communication in the community and how you can solve public community or public health crises using civil communication and civil dialogue as a tool to do that i while studying my undergrad i also worked at a law firm three days a week and i noticed that like huh this actually might be able to be deployed like this avenue of communication could actually be deployed in the workplace graduated, went into corporate, and just saw all the toxic (laughs) um, ways that business, how business operates. So I went back and got my master's in communication. And that's where Career Civility was born because of this innate ability in myself to look at different perspectives, different individuals, honor their experiences as human beings. And then when you go into the workplace, All of that is stripped because it's just business, quote unquote, it's just business, or there's a bottom line to worry about. So, all humanity, all experiences, all perspectives are thrown out the window to chase a dollar. And when I founded Career Civility, it was really to bring humanity back into the workplace because I believe that that will actually make you more profitable and that will build revenue quicker and more sustainable than if you adhered to the normal systems.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said. And the fact that you came from a biracial and bipolitical home actually is such a blessing because it has been able to give you so many different perspectives and different ways of being able to resonate with different types of people to really understand kind of the population as a whole, rather than just one specific group. So as you were talking about like bringing humanity back, you kind of understand humanity. So this sounds like a really natural progression that you've been able to make. It's interesting
0: because while it's natural, there's still a lot of challenges. I actually talk with my therapist about this all the time because I'm like, why does this stuff keep happening to me, right? Like, why do I keep having to have these learning experiences? Why am I treated as other in the workplace? Why am I fighting so hard for DEI? And part of the reckoning or the work that I'm doing in therapy is like, I have to experience this so that way I can then help others work through it. So that's been kind of a tough pill to swallow because you're like, well, that's unfair. (laughs) Or like, why is it so hard? And then you kind of zoom out and you look at the larger perspective. And now that I'm a mom and I have a daughter that's going to be in the workplace eventually, like there is a larger meaning and it's not just about me anymore. It really is about like leaving the workplace better than I found it that's really the motivation there. So it seems natural, but it's also like a lot of work and it's very challenging. And I would love to play the victim on a lot of days and some days I do, but that's where I then have to come back to like the bigger picture.
1: It's totally okay to have those moments. And I think just being able to recognize how you're feeling that way you can process it. I think that's very healthy. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I was having a conversation with a woman this morning about things that happen for us in our life. It's just our story that's being written. It's something else that we're able to tell the story about kind of the challenges that we're facing and how we overcame them. So that way we can help others and your stories are always being written. It's never going to end. And like you said, You're a mom. So you're also setting an example for your child and your child to be because you also have one on the way. It's such a beautiful thing what you're doing just across the board. But I really kind of want to talk about like the how to's of how you started this business. Obviously you had this idea and you saw the need for it within the corporate space, but really once you graduated with your master's, how did you actually start your business?
0: Yeah, I loved my master's program would do it over and over again. However, the impetus for me going back to school was to get confidence to start my own business, which I wish I didn't operate in that like lacking mentality or that imposter syndrome mentality. I was like, Oh, you know, if I take out all these student loans, and I have this degree from Northwestern University, people will take me seriously. Again, I learned so much. I do think that that is what gave me the confidence to start my business. However, I look at people all the time and I'm like, they started their own business and they didn't need you know, a piece of paper and a ton of loans to be able to do that. Granted, the network that I have and the information that I have now after spending a year working full-time and going to school full-time is invaluable, but... If there's one thing I would go back and tell myself is like, you have the competence and the capability to do this. You just need to find the right people to ask the right questions to. And my program did give me that. I will say that. So in terms of how I got started, I started using my voice. (laughs) So I started writing. Obviously I did an exercise of like building my portfolio services But then I started writing about my experiences and that is honestly as easy as it sounds or as simple as it sounds. That's where my business was born. So through my blog, through my newsletter, offering my help and offering my services was the springboard to getting my business started.
1: And you've taken an interesting approach because obviously you are still in the corporate world. You've chosen Instagram as kind of like your main platform to be able to get your voice heard in addition to your blog and your newsletters, but you really strayed away from the LinkedIn presence. So can you maybe tell me a little bit more about like what your decision was behind kind of keeping those two separate? Yeah. Uh,
0: So I would say the decision was strategic and kind of happenstance strategic because I did need to find a way to keep corporate and entrepreneurship separate when I first started out. Again, now, you know, three, four years later, like I know that they influence each other. I know how powerful it is, but when you're first starting out, it is scary to start something else that could be at odds with the time that you're spending at work. So I did try to keep them separate for that reason. However, Instagram by happenstance ended up becoming a really easy and creative outlet for me to communicate. That's what career civility is, right? It's being able to tell those stories, being able to connect with other individuals who have similar stories. And it happened to be the platform where a lot of individuals who were feeling stuck and unheard in the corporate space were able to open up and share their stories. And I was able to help them. That's not saying that LinkedIn couldn't deliver that either. That's just saying that I found my foothold on Instagram and that's where I've been living.
1: I get it because I did the same thing. When I first started self-starter, I was afraid to post on LinkedIn because I felt like my message was very conflicting from my corporate job. And obviously I didn't want to be fired. So yep. I started everything on Instagram and my Instagram has a lot fewer followers than my LinkedIn does. So as soon as I got laid off of my corporate job, I said, you know what? no one's wanting to hire me right now because I'm pregnant. So why not just give this my all? And I'm so now I'm posting on LinkedIn and it's been really interesting to kind of see the evolution of both the platforms using it. But from a strategic direction, I think what you were saying as far as there's a lot of people that are having communications within the workforce that are potentially afraid to actually be real, raw, and vulnerable on that platform where their employers are seeing them. So being able to take it to Instagram is extremely smart. And today you have over 31,000 followers. So obviously there's a lot of people that are having these issues.
0: You hit the nail on the head in terms of being scared on a public platform that is built for professional life, because a lot of what is happening in the workplace, it's happening right under the nose of their employers. And it's probably actually happening from their leaders and from their managers, So it is counterintuitive to go on a platform and share their experiences where it could be visible. Whereas Instagram, I found because it's their personal account, most people I interact with are private and they're sliding into my DMs or I do a question box every week. And you'd be surprised what they're sharing under the guise of being anonymous. So that has been very, very eye-opening because people have been vulnerable and they have been able to share their stories. When I go on LinkedIn, I see a lot of peacocking. (laughs) So it's just a very different platform and avenue for me. And I just haven't wanted to step into that yet. Yeah, I don't blame you.
1: I was talking to one of my girlfriends who is very active on LinkedIn and she's also happens to be pregnant and she's talking a lot about what being pregnant as an unemployed woman right now really looks like. And so she's being super vocal and she's actually having a lot of people reach out to her in the DMS. And so they're reading all of her posts, but they're not liking it. And they're not commenting on it because they're afraid. And I think that this shows you that there is this larger underlying issue with communication and really just job security or the fear of job security at this point. So I'm so happy that you've been able to create a safe space for people outside of LinkedIn to be able to feel like they can still have a voice and still be heard. I also think that's a strength of working in corporate
0: for the work I do at Career Civility because I share those same sentiments. Like what I'm sharing in my weekly newsletter, I'm not sharing on LinkedIn because that's my experience and I still have my employers on LinkedIn. So there's a lot that I can relate to through my corporate experience with my clients at career civility. And I think that that is something that, again, I haven't made the shift into full-time entrepreneurship for family planning, financial reasons, but also because of this connection that I have. It's almost like when you're an IC and then you move into leadership, the higher you get, the farther away from like reality you get, and you actually don't know what's going on on the ground floor. Me staying in corporate allows me to be connected to those experiences and those challenges that the clients and the community that I'm supporting at Career Civility are facing every day because I'm facing it too.
1: Yeah. I think it's really important to be able to see the challenges that are going on. And I have to say like the corporate space is really what's been able to connect us today. Like the, yeah. one of the co-founders of your current company is the one who introduced us. Shout out to Matt, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, But so grateful for him making this connection. And obviously he's supporting your endeavor as well. Obviously, as long as you can keep up your day job at the same time.
0: And that's something where I've been very vocal with every leader that I've worked with, every organization that I've worked at. I'm the type of person where if I have purpose inside and outside of work, I actually run faster, right? I have a very dedicated drive, probably to my detriment. So I'm working through that in therapy to just like do less. But again, like if I feel valued and I have valuable work, both in my nine to five plus externally, now I'm finding that as a mom, which is amazing. So now I like probably don't even need to have my business. Just kidding, (laughs) because I'm a mom, but it is something that has always driven me. That's why I went back to get my master's. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. And
1: you talked about that dedicated drive. And I think there's also another factor here, not just the drive, but also the fact that you are a mom. So you are having to be very intentional with the time that you do have because you are spread in a bunch of different directions. So I'm curious just for those people that are maybe just getting started in their entrepreneurial journey that are leveraging a corporate job, how are you managing your time to be able to make sure that you're able to really be present in all of these different spaces?
0: Yeah, it's been an evolution. I would say at the beginning, I was clocking in at eight and clocking out at five for my corporate. And then I would like eat dinner, go for a walk with my dog. And then I'd bring my computer and I'd be working from, you know, seven to 10. And that was pretty much every day. And then on the weekends, I would do that. Obviously that came to a screeching halt when I had my daughter And I no longer wanted to leave time on the table with her. So what I have been doing instead is, granted the time that I spend on career civility is less. I will be very, very transparent about that because I still need a steady income through my corporate position. That is priority. However, what I've done through my business is I've actually repurposed some of my business strategies. So where I used to be one-on-one consulting and I did public speaking and I did consulting, those are technically, you know, you're trading your time for money. When my daughter was born, I realized that I actually need to find a way to generate revenue at scale that doesn't involve one-to-one time to dollar. So I then pivoted to online courses and to digital products that I could sell. And now outside of like building the product and building the digital courses, it's really focused on marketing which after I've been doing this for three years, I kind of have a good motion. I've built platforms through it. So that doesn't take as much time as it did three or four years ago. So time has changed. Priorities have changed, but I would say the biggest evolution has been repurposing the services within my business to better reflect where I'm at. As a newish mom, I'm going to be a new mom again. And as someone who's still in corporate.
1: And I think whenever you're starting out, sometimes that's when a little bit more of the hustle is required. I mean, you obviously put in the time where you were kind of burning the oil at both ends. So they say you've been able to kind of graduate. I mean, you were blogging a ton. You're doing all these newsletters. You've built up this massive following on social. So you have already an idea of what your followers and what your clients are looking for. So I'm sure that also helps you put into place the digital courses and downloads as well.
0: Absolutely. It really, to be honest, it was really cultivating that community that I just, I didn't have an end goal with it. I didn't have a time frame with it. I just kept at it on a week over week basis. And three years later, I have that community of 30,000 followers where they do help me build my products and they do give me feedback and I interact with them on a daily basis. So building that community was extremely helpful. Why I would say I would love to outsource a lot of aspects of my business right now. It's not something that I can afford, but that community has been such an insane asset to growing my business.
1: Absolutely. I think community is everything. And that's something that I've learned recently. I wish I had started building the community sooner. But you know what? You learn as you go and you evolve and that's all you can do. And you haven't been afraid to put yourself out there. I know earlier you were talking about how you really liked the creative element that like Instagram specifically was able to provide for you. So you actually do a ton of reels. So what's kind of like your strategy behind getting new followers and all of your posting strategies there? So I will say I'm a sucker for investing to
0: learn. (laughs) So like whether it's, you know, taking out multiple loans for a master's program or it's investing in another women-owned business and taking their, you know, $97 course on how to create TikTok and Reels. So... I think it was 2020 when the world shut down, I invested in, it was a course for like $97 and I learned how to make reels and TikToks. And I basically just like listened to their advice and I started making one reel every week. And that's all it's been. It's not anything crazy. I actually don't post on Instagram every day. I post on Instagram once a week, if not twice a week. But the one thing that I have done is post a reel every Tuesday. And it is a reel dedicated to email tips. And that has been the consistent thing that I've done for the last two and a half, three years. And that's just been a consistent growth channel for me. I posted one yesterday and I probably already have 50 followers from that reel. Um, So it's investing in learning, but then also being super, 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 super consistent.
1: So I have to say like, just like a timeout for the listeners right now, because what you just said, I think when people first start, they think that they have to go all in and they have to post every single day. They have to post multiple times a day. And I think that gets overwhelming, but the fact that you're posting once a week, but what you're doing is you're making it quality content that's educational and it's also consistent. So your followers know that every single Tuesday they can expect educational content from you. And I think that is more important than posting every single day things that your followers don't honestly care about.
0: If I could go on my soapbox and talk about how all of the strategists and coaches, you know, want you to post, here's your content calendar and post inspirational content on Mondays and a value add on Tuesdays do what makes sense to you. Like I'm not someone that would take a pic. Like I'm actually horrible at photography. I've done one brand photo shoot and I still use the pictures from that photo shoot. I use Canva. I'm very scrappy with it. And I'm not saying that it's perfect, but it works for where I'm at in my business today. So find what works for you. For me, it was filming a reel. And I actually like only allow myself 15 minutes to film and produce that reel. Otherwise I'm overthinking it and I'm putting way too much time into something that I means it's not going to make me money. Right. Um, so I need to focus on revenue generating tasks and reels. Well, it's great for exposure. It's not actually going to generate revenue. So I make sure that I'm not spending more than 15 minutes on it, but I do it on a weekly basis.
1: And what kind of content have you found has really resonated with your followers for career civility?
0: I would say probably email communication. And the reason I think it's email communication, from my perspective, I've always been client facing when in corporate. And so I've learned how to communicate effectively, not only because I'm client facing and I have to make sure that they like me, but also because I'm selling. So I need to make sure that I'm able to get dollars out of them eventually throughout the year. So I've always been hyper, hyper focused on how I'm communicating to my clients via email and I realized that most people just like aren't taught how to email effectively. Email is still treated as like a shorthand form of communication. And that is just so far from the truth in 2023. Like emails are primary means of communication It actually gets deals done. If you're in sales, it resolves client issues. That's how your project manager is making sure that everything is getting done. It moves so much business forward and people don't know how to communicate effectively via email. So email communication has been absolutely the type of content that people need, that people are hungry for.
1: And that's where I really leaned in. Yeah. And I mean, even before we pressed record, we were talking about the importance of emails and newsletters here because it's one thing to be able to have all these wonderful followers on your social platforms, but to be able to have them on your email list, that's really where you see the conversion. So to be able to write an effective email is a whole nother thing because anyone can write an email, but an effective email that converts is another story. And that's really where you come in. In addition to, obviously, all of the email education that you're doing on Instagram and TikTok here, tell us a little bit more about what your followers and what your clients can expect from these digital workshops and downloads.
0: Yeah, great question. So I am someone that promises that you will have tactical and practical communication advice in your inbox always. What that means is that I will provide scripts and templates that you can copy and paste from. I always say, you know, the caveat that I always add in is like, make sure it's your communication style. Make sure it's authentic to you and how you would communicate, not only yourself, but depending on the person you're communicating with. But what you can expect from me is outlined. Here are the subject lines that you can use. Here are email openers. Here are email closers or calls to actions you can include in your email. Here's how you can organize a body of an email. Like we all learned how to organize a five paragraph essay when we were in school, but we didn't actually know how to like organize an email. So we just end up writing these long emails that no one wants to read. I have scripts and tips for like, if your emails are unresponsive and I have those Tips and scripts for whether it's a colleague, a client, a boss, because how you're communicating with a colleague is very different than how you're communicating with your boss. If your boss isn't giving you a response, that's a very different conversation than if your coworker who sits next to you isn't sending you a response via email. So, everything that I include, like you're able to directly implement, like that day or the next day in the workplace. That's for my email communication. And then I also provide formats that you're able to implement in real conversations as well. So conversations such as like, I want to ask for a raise or conversations such as like, I want to apply for another role inside my organization, giving you conversation prompts and templates. So that way you feel confident heading into sometimes emotionally charged or ambiguous conversations will hopefully help you be a more effective communicator.
1: These templates sound like they're gold. So yeah. anyone listening, we're going to link everything in the show notes today. So be sure to head on over and check out everything that you have on your website and sign up for these digital downloads and your email subscription, because it is absolutely, like I said, it's gold. Everyone needs some of this. Everyone needs to know how to communicate. So I have to ask you, Jenna, like what does the future look like for civility? What does the future
0: look like for CareerCivility? Are we talking near term, like May, June, July? Or are we talking in like, three five years
1: you tell me I mean I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow sometimes so the next couple (laughs) months works for me too Uh, that's where my mind
0: is right now, too. I'm like very in the brass tacks of what I'm planning. So the month of May is focused on a working mom's toolbox. So because I'm now a working mom, I really want to provide the tools for other working moms because I look around at the women in my life who are working. And I'm like, how do y'all do it? I don't understand. Is it really this hard? So I am working on providing communication templates for working moms, like they can help if their kids are sick and like how to call out or how to move meetings, depending on, you know, the situation, whether it's spring break with their kids, putting together communication templates, June, I'm relaunching my signature course email to success. So that's actually launching middle of June. All this can be accessed from my website. I have both a shop where you can download That's where the Working Moms Toolbox will be. And then Email to Success is also through my digital courses on my website. Big picture. Um, I'm actually not going to be a control freak with that answer. And I'm going to say I'm just going to keep consistent. I'm going to keep putting... One foot in front of the other, we will see where it gets me, but I'm going to continue to fight for communication, for DEI, for women in the workplace, for working moms in the workplace. I'm going to challenge myself to keep speaking up and using my voice. And then my goal is five to seven years. I want to be full-time career civility, working with clients, launching products, recreating courses, being a keynote speaker at events. So that would be my vision for the future.
1: I think that's an absolutely beautiful vision. And because you are so dedicated and driven and you're so strategic with your time, I have no doubt that everything that you are going to set your mind to, you're going to get. So uh-huh. Jenna, if someone wanted to find you, work with you and all the things, where could they find out a little bit more about CareerCivility?
0: Yes. So career civility, all one word on Instagram, careercivility.com. Um, it is two words, career civility, <laughs> um, but on Instagram and online, it is all one word. So would love to learn from you, engage with you, hear your stories about what it's like to work in the workplace. And Megan, this is just amazing. You're a phenomenal interviewer. I've loved every single episode of your podcast. I'm one behind. I haven't caught up yet, but thank you for giving me this time, this platform to share my story because it really, it means a lot.
1: You have no idea how much this conversation means to me. So thank you for your willingness to come on board, for your support, for listening to all the podcasts. I can't believe you listened to all of them already and (laughs) for sharing your story today and inspiring so many women across the board. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm pretty sure Jenna is a superhuman. She is crushing it in her corporate role, thriving as an entrepreneur and doing it all while being a mama to one with another coming soon. Oh, and she's also just a genuine, kind and supportive human through and through. Just ask anyone and they'll tell you. Now, Jenna shared a lot of great, valuable information about the importance of effective communication. But what's just one thing you can take away from Jenna's story? Don't be afraid to use your voice. Because Jenna started using her own voice, sharing her own workplace experiences through blogging, social posts, and her newsletter, it allowed her to not only help others, but to create a business in the process. People want to hear your learnings. They want to hear what you have to say. So don't be afraid to share value. You never know what may come from it. So let me ask you, self-starter: are you ready to start using your voice? Thanks for listening to today's episode of the self-starter podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com and remember start today for you, start today for her and become a self-starter. See you next time.